All right, KISS Army, welcome to the KISS FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today and letting us into your head. I hope we don't do any damage. This is a KISS-related podcast by the board for the board. We hope that you enjoy. Great to see you. We didn't get a chance at the last couple of uh, Rock and Rock Pod Expos, but this year, I don't want to talk about Cindy Lauper or Nelson or any of your other stuff. I got to do just Kiss. Okay. Because it's the 30th anniversary of Paul Stanley's solo tour this year. So yeah. I, I wanted you to be the first one of the band members mm-hmm. that I hopefully get a chance to talk about, reminiscing about how that tour came together. Now, I know you did keyboards for the Crazy Nights tour, yeah. but you had some ups and downs during that. You left the tour at one point right. and then came back for the European leg. How did you find out that Paul was going to be doing a, uh, a solo tour in February of 89? Well, like you said, I had been on the Crazy Nights tour, then I left, then came back for the Summer Monsters of Rock tour. So I was actually back in the in the circle at that point. And, Kip, and Paul just called me up and said, hey, I'm thinking about doing a club tour, as, as you know, a solo club tour. Four shows, just go out and have some fun, put together a completely different band, but, but he wanted me to be a part of it. Right. And uh, he wanted to get to play some of the stuff from his solo record that he never got to play and just go out and have some fun. Was there any friction? Because None. there's been some challenges with with your separation from the band during the tour. No, um, no. But, at but that it was point, all smooth. at that point, everything was beautiful. And to be honest, I, I think I got along better with Paul on his solo tour than any other tour that I ever did with the right. band, because he he was in a different place mentally. Like he he was just there to have fun. There was no pressure. There was no um, none of the competition for the spotlight with Gene right you know he he was the he was in the spotlight and we were there to support that and do a good as good a job as we could and we had a blast doing it right so the approach was just he just called you up out of the blue you mm-hmm. were had already left you did you have any anticipation of working with kiss again after the crazy night or had you moved on and just gotten that call no you know the stuff that happened during the crazy nights tour was pretty much nipped in the bud when I I had gone out for the for the start of the tour and then was sent home around Christmas time and then I was brought back for some shows on in the US and then sent home again and when they called me to do the summer the uh, Monsters of Rock that mm-hmm. summer we kind of worked out everything that you know all our differences for what had happened on the Crazy Nights tour right. and we we worked out our business and set things right and I never had another issue with, with that again and and so the summer the Monsters of Rock tour was amazing that was a great great right. great tour big and, market so in Europe obviously yeah yeah and you know and I, when we did the Monsters tour they had kind of revamped the set list quite a bit right. and pulled out a bunch of the old classics that they hadn't been playing like Deuce and Strutter and songs that weren't in the show and they decided to give the fans what they were actually asking for all the time, which, which was a lot of those old classic songs. And so we killed it. We weren't the headliners, but we were probably usually, a lot of the times the, the you know the best received band on the bill. Right. 
Now that tour, obviously, they did bring back the classics, but on the so on Paul Solo tour, he brought in three songs from his uh, solo album, yeah. Sydney solo album, a couple of rare or obscure songs from the Kiss catalog in terms of uh, I think Let's Put the Axe and Sax and Hide right. Your Heart, which hadn't even been on an album. Right. Then. How did the set come together in rehearsals? Did Paul pretty much come in and have a great idea? This is what I want to do, and what the roles of all you guys in the band, how he wanted you to perform, or was it more organic? See how the band worked together and go from there. I, I don't really remember, but I would I would be pretty certain that the song selections were all from him. Mm -hmm. And he and I would probably imagine that we learned more than we actually did and those decisions were probably made organically when we were in rehearsals and seeing what songs flowed and what songs sounded good and what songs we he liked right. playing. Obviously, Paul already knew you as a keyboard player and how right. you could fill the holes, right. uh, so to speak, in the set. Did he give you any different direction when working with him in a solo context, or did he just bring you in because he knew how you would fill those holes? Yeah, he, that, that was pretty much the way it was. Right. He didn't. He, he never really gave me direction. He, he didn't. He never really gave me direction with Kiss either. You know, when I was initially hired for Kiss, it was really to play keyboards on the songs that had keyboards. But once I was there, that wasn't I wasn't gonna be happy playing three songs and standing around watching fourteen, you know. Right. So I found a way to play on everything and do it in a way where I wasn't necessarily playing keyboard type parts that drew attention to the fact that they were keyboards, but it was more about filling in this like you said, filling in the holes and just strengthening what was there from them just to make it sound better. And how did it contrast? I mean, you go from these massive stages on the Monsters of Rock into basically thousand seat, you know, uh, clubs, if, if you could even describe it as that, you know. Oh, I, you mean as far as Paul's tour? Um, that's part of what made it fun. You know, we, we were on one bus, band and crew, mm -hmm. because we had a very small crew, obviously. Uh, so we probably only had like four guys on the, on the crew and five in the band. The bus sleeps 12. And so... It was tight quarters, and including Paul. Paul was on the bus with us, and we were playing clubs, which you know was was fun. You know, it's it's different when you're struggling and you're playing clubs and you're struggling to do that, as opposed to staying at the Four Seasons, pulling up on a tour bus, but playing clubs right. that are that are sold out and and mayhem because you know more people want to come there than can, they could fit. So there's a bit of a different mindset about it so it's it, it doesn't feel like you're stepping down a level and you know as long as you gear up for what you're doing and you don't try to stuff a stadium show into a club right it's easy to do yeah, and there wasn't pyro there was basically just lights yeah and then it was the music speaking for itself which right. i think has always been very important right. to paul stanley that his music can stand firmly on its own exactly how, you know compared with like the dynamics of having gene simmons and bruce Kulick and uh, Eric Carr on Crazy Nice. How was it with Eric Singer on drums, obviously, uh, Derek St. James on bass? Yeah. Well, okay, Eric Singer, I, he and I hit it off the minute we met, and he's a phenomenal drummer. Yep. Uh, probably my favorite rock drummer that I ever really? played with. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's a high compliment. I'm sure uh, Eric it, appreciates hearing he, that. I, I'll tell you what, his playing on the first Badlands record Oh, which is which a, was is a beast. Yeah. And and that was the record. I mean, they were just wrapping that record up and getting ready to start promoting it when we were doing the solo right. tour. So that band was brand new and it was really um, 
I, I was a fan, so, you know, but we hit it off, you know, we have the same sarcastic sense of humor and personality, and so we got along really well, and he became my, you know, when you're on a tour like that, you always have one guy that you call when it's time to go eat or go to the mall or whatever, Right. and on that tour, he was definitely my my buddy. <laughs> Uh, what about the difference between, say, Bruce Kierlich and Bob Kierlich on lead guitar? I mean, both of them are incredible players, but yeah. they're also very different players. Yeah, they are. Uh, but, you know, Bob, I, I think when it comes to a, a band like, you know, with Kiss, Bob's playing probably suited the band. If you're looking at it from a trying to sound like the original band, mm -hmm. I think Bob was closer to that than, than Bruce actually was because his playing was more like Ace than, than Bruce. And so, you know, he, he kind of fits somewhere in between the two styles, and I think that was a really good... He had a great sound, a great yeah. tone, but yeah. he, he was closer to Ace's kind of generation, right. and Bruce is just a little bit younger yeah. and came up through a slightly different route. So that's yeah. kind of the difference that I always felt between the two. Yeah, he wasn't... Bob wasn't as much as a shredder like Bruce, mm -hmm. like, like I think of Bruce. You know, when I think of Bruce, I do think of that finger tapping. You know, he's perfect for the Eddie Van Halen. Yeah, exactly. Where, you know, Bob is more kind of a traditional Yeah, bend one note. And you know, Joe it, yeah. Perry, Brad exactly. Whitford, you know, that exactly. class of player. Yeah. Um, you had warrants opening for you. Yeah. I mean, you know, did you guys interact with them at all? And, oh, uh, yeah. How were they as a, as an act to be on the road with? Well, again, they were they were just getting started. They, they were young. Yeah. Yeah, and they was they were just, I think the first record was just coming out. Right. You know, and so they would they were at the point where they would get to the club at three in the afternoon and and wallpaper the club with the album covers and you know they were going and doing in stores and trying right. to get the record launched and you know they were thrilled to be there because they were all Kiss fans and so you know there were so many bands that came through my time there with those guys whether it was Paul or Kiss you know I, I have friendships with guys like Joey Allen or Mark Slaughter you know from all these guys that opened for Kiss at one time or another that, you know, Ted Poley from Danger Danger, all those guys grew up being Kiss fans before they were ever musicians. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, like on the on the Hot in the Shade tour, when I had my condo where they hid me, because I was able to be hidden so well, it became a hangout spot for the opening guys. When after they were done, they'd go towel off, and when we were on, they'd come hang out in the condo with me and sing background parts with me. You know, right. so for them, it was it was fun for Ted to be singing backgrounds on Kiss songs that he grew up listening. To. It was that's always one of, a lot that's of fun. one of the cool things about the videos from this tour is that you're actually on stage. You know, yeah. you're not off stage or that one uh, Crazy Nights video where you're <laughs> yeah. you know caught kind of uh, behind the curtain. You see yeah. the magician. So that was really nice to see you as a fully kind of integrated and respected member of the band. I mean, yeah. regardless of how important what you were doing is on the Kiss tour, here you're a member of a band, right? Uh, fully. Did that make you feel better as a musician, obviously, to be uh, kind of fully validated? Well, you know, it's it's strange because Kiss is the only band that I ever did the offstage thing for. Mm -hmm. And like I said before, I, I was fine with it because, A, it's what was, it was the job description when it was offered to me. Right. It wasn't something that they sprung on me. And I completely understood why they would do it. I, I, I wouldn't accept a keyboard player on stage with Kiss. And I'm keyboard player right. and so i wouldn't expect the diehard kiss fans to, to so so no, it never bothered me to do that and I, I never really felt like it was a disrespective thing but there were other bands in the 80s that had contacted me at the time 
to do the same thing for them that I said I wouldn't, uh, that I refused to do it for. Right. Because to me, they didn't deserve to have that luxury of hiding the keyboard player. Right. There were keyboards all over their records, and, you know, there was no reason to hide. It would be like, then why don't you hide the guitar player too? I mean, you know. So, but with Kiss, it was totally understandable. What about you as a musician? Did these gigs with Kiss and Paul Stanley, you know, pay benefits for your career and your visibility in the industry? Did you get something out of it on a professional level other than it being a job? Yes and no. I I, I mean, it was a job first, but hey, look, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you 20, 30, 30, God. (laughs) Oh, boy. Yeah, 30 years later. If it wasn't for the fact that I did it. So there's definitely benefits. And, you know, it was during my time with Kiss that I got the gig playing with Cinderella. So there, there's always going to be those benefits because that's the, the nature of the business. You know, it's all about personal relationships and meeting people. And, you know, and when you're playing with the headliner, you get access to everybody that comes through. Right. And so, yeah, I made a lot of friends and a lot of friends that I still have to this day. And some good memories. Oh, absolutely. Well. Uh, absolutely. I'm curious about the, the catalog. Obviously, Kiss had already started that shift back to the older material that would ultimately create uh, on the, the Shade Tour. Right. You know, that was a full 17, 18, 19 songs. Yeah. You know, really old stuff. Did you have any favorites performing with Paul? I mean, it must, when you listen back in the 80s, we think of Let's Put the X in Sex, and that's not going to be many Kiss's fans pick anymore. Uh, what were some songs that you really enjoyed playing that you can re- recall off the top of your head? Uh, I still love you. Is probably yeah, that opening was, song, which became the opening song on the Hot in the Shade yeah. tour. Uh, I still love you, and I stole your love as well. Uh, both both of those were were fun to play. Right. Um, yeah, I would say those would probably be the two fa- the two songs that stick out to me. And what about Paul's '78 solo album? I mean, there were three songs: uh, "Tonight You Belong to Me," "Wouldn't You Like to Know Me," and uh, "Goodbye." Which oh yeah, out yeah. You know, were those fun to play? Yes, or? absolutely. And it was fun to play stuff that had never been played before. You know, because on the Kiss stuff that that they had been playing, that we were playing, it was apparent what we were doing different or what we were doing the same, and if there was something that Paul wanted us to do the same. But on those songs, there was no reference. And so, you know, we were able to make you know create what we did with them from scratch as opposed right. to trying what about to the, and were there any songs that you really were grind to get through on a nightly basis you're like uh no gotta do, let's can't. put the x again i'm sorry that's an yeah. easy target for me as yeah i've never been one of my favorites but no you know, it's, it's the best they could do at the time <laughs> yeah i don't know yeah that wasn't my favorite either um well yeah i don't even want to go into it but uh <laughs> <laughs> maybe uh, yeah, maybe when the mics are turned off. But um, no, I mean it was all fun. I, you know, I, I nothing sticks out 30 years later as being oh man, I hated that or anything like that. We, it was right. just a, uh, that whole when I when when that topic comes up, the Paul Stanley solo tour, it's just nothing but good good memories to no, me. No, and it was over so quickly. I mean, yeah. you got to throw in a Zeppelin song in there as well, yeah. Communication Breakdown. I mean, Paul had done a whole lot of love in the 80s yeah. a few times with uh, Kiss, but nice to hear him throw yeah. kind of that nod to one of his inspirations into the set. Absolutely. Um, well, we used to do that at Soundcheck every day, with, even with Kiss. You know, Paul would, when it came time, once, once everything was dialed in and it came time to play a song, a lot of times it wouldn't be a Kiss song. You know, for the sound check, a lot I mean, of times. Every time I've talked to you, you've been very positive about your experiences with Kiss, even when you've described some of the challenges that you went through. Um, were there any lowlights on this tour 
uh, that you can recall, you know, working with Paul, other than it maybe being too short. Yeah, that would be the only thing. I mean, because like I was saying earlier, you know, it started out as four shows, mm -hmm. and it quickly grew to, what is it, 10 or 12 or however many. You know, and, and the offers were coming in right. for Japan and for Europe and all of that stuff. But we ended up having to pull the plug and not accept those dates because it was going to conflict with KISS. Right. And it was going to start start conflicting yeah, with... Yeah, conflicting with the recording yeah, of Hot in the Shade. Exactly. What are you working on these days? I mean, you, you live around Nashville. Mm -hmm. you, you, you still work, obviously. Yep. You know, what's going on in Gary Corbett's life that you like to tell everyone about? Oh, well, I've been doing a little bit of everything. You know, I, I've done country music. I've been I've toured with a country artist, that you know, a Nashville country artist for almost eight years. Right. Um, been doing the scrap metal thing with the Nelson Twins and uh, Mark Slaughter and right. those and Lita Dee Snyder. What a and, great bunch of people. Yeah. I mean, in terms of niceness, the Nelson guys are some of the nicest human beings anyone can meet. Yeah. Mark Slaughter, one of the nicest human beings Absolutely. anyone can meet. Yeah. And Lita's a sweetheart, too. Absolutely. So, yeah, we just came back from Alaska um, well, about a month ago. But we did four shows up there with Kip Winger and Jack Russell along oh, nice. with us as well. That's a great and 80s bands there, you know. Yeah, and, you know, doing those shows, it's so much fun because we're playing three songs from each one of the artists. And so the set is nothing but hits. Right. You know, and so it's always a blast. Michael Sweet has done shows with and us. People and people like my age is, uh, you know, soundtrack yeah. to our teen years. Exactly. You know, as we're getting to the age where we want to look back, you yeah. know, what a great night out to go out and listen to those songs that played on our Walkman or stereos, <laughs> you know, exactly. back in the day. And, and you know, even like uh, we have Barry Goudreau and Elliot Easton from The Cars. So to be able to play Boston songs and Cars, you know, we, we started out as fans too. So for us to get... To, to actually get to play those songs, it's it's a thrill. So and you're doing what a working musician does. You're working exactly because that's ultimately what it's about, isn't it? Exactly. You know, well, I, at a very early age, my dad instilled that in me that if you're going to do this as for a living, you can't always make the choices to only do the stuff you love doing. You got to sometimes do the stuff that pays the bills. Awesome. But you know, there's very little in the in the way of making music with people. That ever feels like a job to me, you know. I, I really struggle to even come up with any anything. If you're talking about like being on tour and playing, and right. I always loved my job. Well, that's a great way to end, Gary Corbett. Yeah. Thank you very much for taking but, the time to talk to the Kiss FAQ. And, and uh, great to see you. Hopefully, see you next year at the Absolutely. National Rock and Pod. Absolutely. All right, thank you. No problem. So. Thank you for spending time listening to the KISS FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds. If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the KISS FAQ message board and discuss the topic we've broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again.